0: This episode of the Hatmakers Podcast is brought to you by Hatblocks Australia, makers of fine timber hat blocks and hat making tools. My, what a peculiar place to have a party. Welcome to the Tea Party, the Hatmakers Podcast where we connect with hatters from around the world. Talk hats and hat making to build a community and share tips and tricks to take your hat making to the next level. So sit back, pour yourself a brew, and settle in because here comes the show. <laughs> On this episode of the Hatmakers Podcast, we're chatting with Paul Ventress from Paul Ventress Bespoke Hatters. Based out of York, England, Paul has been making hats for over 12 years. His iconic tricorn pirate hats and Johnny Depp style fedoras have been long-time favourites of hat enthusiasts from around the world, and his signature style distressing techniques are second to none. In this interview, Paul gives us an insight into his world and generously shares many tips and tricks that all hat makers could benefit from. So listen on to hear Paul's story on this episode of
1: Right, Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for uh, coming along. It's, um, I've been a big fan of your work for many
1: years, and um, finally great to have a chat with you. No, it's uh, an honor to be speaking to you.
0: So how about we start by telling everyone who you are and where you're from?
1: Okay, so I'm Paul Ventress, and I started Paul Ventress Bespoke Hatters, and I'm from York, which is in... Yorkshire in the UK. Uh, That's where Boromir and Jon Snow come from, and that's why I sound like this.
0: (laughs) And uh, how long have you been making hats for?
1: Probably, not professionally, but I think 12 years, I probably made my first hat. Um, Just as a a hobby type thing, but just making a, a costume hat to dress as a certain Caribbean pirate.
0: <laughs> Which pirate might that be?
1: Um, I, I, I can say his name because it's about me dressing up to Captain Jack Sparrow, but I avoid saying the name in reference to any hats that I make because there's a very territorial mouse out there that um, I don't want to anger. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hmm. Sounds like yeah,
1: so your first hat was a, a pirate style hat? It was indeed. Yeah. I bought some leather on eBay that was, I think it was actually just leather. Someone had cut off an old sofa and just went for it. I think I made, I made a hat block by filling a mixing bowl with plaster, plaster of Paris. Wow. Oh, yeah. and oh God, I think it, I think <laughs> it took a month before I could get it out of the bowl. I think it was like so wedged in there. I remember whacking it upside down with a mallet till it finally came out. I think I managed to make two hats on it before it just crumbled.
0: Well, <laughs> and so your first hats were were leather hats. Yep, well. they were
1: leather. Yeah.
0: Did you have a pattern or something, or how did you uh, come about to finding the way to make it?
1: Um, well, I mean, the way I make it now is. Nothing like the way I made it then. It's completely different. That was purely just... I stretched the leather over this dome for the for the actual crown. The brim was just a flat brim. And I think I even put wire in in the brim binding on that one as well. And that helped give it its shape. Because the leather that I used is, was just a regular chrome tan leather. So it's not the sort that you can wet and shape. So I had to put the wire in the brim to sort of fix the brim up. But yeah, it was just a regular oval oval flat brim folded up at three points tricon hat
0: <laughs> wow and is that something that you are uh, having the, on the shelf as a as a memory of your, of the first hat that you've made no
1: i sold it <laughs> so I, I i made that one um and i had enough of the leather to make another one so i think i put the first one up on on ebay and this is actually how it all started really because i put it on ebay and it and it sold like really quickly, so I made another one with the the rest of the leather that I had, and I think that's the one I wore to this Halloween party that I went to. And then, as you always do when you first make something, you finish it and you think, great. Not long after, you start picking holes in it and going, well, I could do this better. So I was like, right, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make another one. So that one went on eBay and it sold straight away, and that. Basically started the idea of well, I can make cats and sell them because at, at the time I was living in Germany and was recording an album with the band, and there was a lot of downtime, just tons of time sitting around when we're doing drums, I think recording drums there's a whole pretty much a whole month of me just sitting around with nothing to do so I was like right i'm gonna start start making these and start selling them and they all sold fairly quickly, so that was my side hustle. And I was like, "Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do hat hats on the side." <laughs> so you're a musician by trade, is that right? It is, yeah. Not so much anymore. I don't do particularly any professional work anymore. Uh, it's gone back to being for fun, which I actually now enjoy a lot more because doing it professionally. People have this idea of what it's like to be in a band that's touring. It's so all fun and drink and party. You, when you're on tour, you don't really want the drink and party. <laughs> you, because every day you drive in hundreds of miles, you're up till the early hours every night. You just want to get the job done, have a beer after you've played and go to bed. So not so much anymore, especially since we're, we're all a bit older um having not made it big while we were younger it's just impossible to do when you get older you need to commit your whole life to doing it and be prepared to not earn a single penny and at this stage in our lives we've got a member of the band's got two kids three of us are married You, you can't do that sort of thing if it's not stable and and bringing in the money you can't be that irresponsible and just be like yeah I'm just gonna go out and play rock and roll and not make any money and just bring home a crate of free beer every evening yeah <laughs> so you were a guitarist in this band yeah guitarist and and singer
0: all right I real yeah and so and then hats became your side hustle so you kind of became professional hat maker straight away if you sold your first. yeah
1: hat. pretty much if if you could give it that label I mean it's kind of professional hat maker <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that the hats weren't professional but it was making money so um y- you could put that label on it <laughs>
0: <laughs> and had you made costumes or or anything like that before or is this your first uh crack at it
1: uh it's it's quite funny actually because probably when i was around about 18 i mean i always liked hats and i went and bought a Christie's bowler hat that I would wear quite a bit as well, which is quite unusual. What twenty two years ago, and I really wanted a red one. I can't remember what music video it was. I don't know if it was an Eminem video or something where they kind of parodied um Clockwork Orange, where they had the gangs, and there were some guys in a red, red bowler, and I was like, I want a red bowler. And at the time, y- you. You know, you couldn't you couldn't find them. There weren't really many custom hat makers, especially not in the UK that you could find around around that time. So I actually bought some cheap felt, like the um not actual felt. What's it made of? It's like some sort of polyester pretend felt, right? And I and I stretched it over this bowler hat and, and sewed it all together to make it a red hat. It, it was shocking, but at the time I thought it was cool. So I, I kind of almost made a hat way before any of this really started um but i've made a few few costume bits uh but again like i think the first sort of costume i made was a coat for pirate costume um i've made quite a few different costume bits since then and i can i can sew i can make i can make clothing i just don't do it very often because it takes me ages (laughs) (laughs) the hats are a
0: little easier to do so So you've made your first pirate tricorn style hats. And then how did you transition into the fedoras
1: and and the other things that you do? So it was just curiosity, I think, that the more I made these pirate hats and I was like, well, I I like wearing hats. And I'd even bought like this grey fedora. And I thought, I do want to take this further. I, I remember the day. I ordered my first open crown block for for making fedoras, and uh, I rang up my block maker, which is Owen at Guy Moss Brown, and I was like, right, I need to get a fedora block, and he, he suggested which one to go for. It just went from there. As soon as I made one for myself, I was like, I absolutely love working with felt. This is so much easier than, than, than leather. It was just like forcing leather over, over a dome that, you know, that takes, takes a bit of work working with a felt, a lot more forgiving. Um, so I just decided to buy all, all the size blocks, start offering fedoras. Obviously I didn't, didn't know much about felt then. So they were very, very fuzzy fedoras (laughs) fedoras <laughs> Had, hadn't even encountered the term pouncing at that time
0: <laughs> so do you remember the first um, block that you got do you remember the style that it was
1: yeah what the first fedora block oh, i'm trying to think
0: yeah i mean it's it was an open open crown or was it it's a... the
1: same it's the same as one of them but the actual size i think it's got uh, a it's got a felt on it somewhere at the moment it's got a hat body block type but yeah it's one of the one of the open crowns—I can't remember which number they call it. Uh, at Guy Moss Brown, I think it's like their S, their S, not SB, CB twenty-three. I think is their crown block number. Um, nice. Uh, and now I've got many of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, how long ago did you transition into
1: to making the fedoras? I think it's probably eight years ago. I think I probably did that first first fedora so it's quite quite a long time
0: how did you go about learning how to to do the felt fedoras rather than the pirate
1: style hats so i kind of intuitively had an idea of what i was supposed to do but i think i'm probably going to say the same thing everyone else says which is you look on youtube it's like right felt hat making and back then One guy popped up and it was Nick Fouquet. So he had plenty of videos showing what he did. I watched quite a few of those. Um, Just tried to get my head around, why is he doing that process? What is that process? Especially when I saw him sanding the felt, I was like, what is that? Um so yeah that that kind of kick started a lot of trial and error um on how to go about working working with felt manipulating it, but as I said, a lot of trial and error since then, um as I'm sure we all do because until recently, there's not been much information out there on on how this craft is done. And what information is out there is open to a lot of interpretation, and <laughs> taking things with a with a grain of salt um, as to what is the best and correct way to do it. Which I, I don't think there is a singular correct way to do a lot of the things, but there are definitely some ways that are the best way to do it. Yeah, indeed.
0: So, did you get it? Did you get any tips from the guys at um, Guy Moss, is it Guy Moss Brown? Yeah. Guy
1: Moss Brown. Um, probably, I don't remember specifically, but I mean, I know that, that, they are a wealth of knowledge. He's a second generation hat block maker and they don't make hats to sell, but they're more than capable of, of making hats. Um, so I don't remember if I got any, excuse me, particular advice from them, but I probably did i probably did ask some questions uh, i mean there's been there's been a few people over the years where even up until fairly recently that i've asked another Hatter a question because i'm just, i'm just like right what's this i want i want i want to achieve this how how do i get there um i think it's probably only about f- 4 years ago or so i really wanted to get my sweatbands so that they they flare and lay flat against against the brim, and I was like, "Well, I was I was already buying reeded sweatbands, sewing through the reed tape under the band, but I was just feeding the reed of each end back into the reed tape, and then they're just protruding out of the hat this way." And I was like, "Well, I don't I don't want this. I know that you're supposed to have it so the stitching is away from the head." So actually, um, I've spoken quite a few times to Michelle, who's the master hatter at Herbert Johnson. Okay. Um, and I asked her. She just told me straight away. She was like, "Yeah, you just need to get these ferrules You cut the, you you read, just a bit longer than the sweatband on each end, and then you it creates that tension and and forces the sweatband out." I was like, "Well, that's really easy." That <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I've always I have been happy to ask a few other hat makers, "What's going on here? How do you do this?" <laughs> That's nice. That's such a,
0: an amazing tip, isn't it? Because <clears throat> I felt the same when I first started making hats. They just didn't look quite right to me yeah. with the sweatbands, and and then once you work out after all, yeah, it's like wow, it makes all the difference,
1: massive difference. It's just it just clean finished look. It just look it looks and and feels better when you you run your hand around it. You just feel much more quality strength stability just looks so much better
0: I've seen um Hornskov as well and he he kind of bends his over a little bit and I, just gives I it do a that bit as well encouragement
1: yeah so yeah I go around and after I've put the ferrule in I crease it um I actually use the the back of a hammer to do that so to get quite a strong crease in it so it really gets that bell shape there you go there there's a tip for free <laughs>
0: that's a tip everyone yeah thank paul for that one <laughs> um yeah well, i won't ask too many of your secrets because you've also got some really beautiful finishes on those distressed hats
1: yeah that i mean distressed having started off with these leather pirate hats and various other pirate hats. Distressing has been a part of it since the beginning because um, I, I still make loads of pirate hats for a lot of cosplayers, costumers, people that go to these pirate events like, like what they've got in the US, like Ren Fairs. Um, so distressing is something that I've put a lot, a lot of time and effort into various different methods um, like I said, yeah, there there is definitely a, a couple of secrets <laughs> uh, to to do that because I because I've I've spent I've spent too much money and, and too much time figuring things out just to just to give it give that away to everyone. Um, yeah, you've
0: got to destroy a lot of belts to get that look.
1: Too many. Too many. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I I love I love distressing hats. It's it's my favorite. Is creating something that looks like it's got a story to tell it's 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 got a history it's it's seen things absolutely
0: I'm just looking through your page right now and um, there's that really beautiful tricorn that you've got there are, are you still making those out of leather
1: yeah so I mean I do felt some felt tricons as well um, so I've got two different Captain Jack Leather tricons on my page. Uh, that's what I call them. <laughs> uh, two different types of leather on there. So one of them is just a, a regular goat skin leather, and that's sort of my cheaper option. And then another one's using what's called a pull-up leather, which is a leather that's heavily impregnated with waxes and oils. So don't don't know if you've ever worked with it before, but that's what creates that sort of cracked and crinkled effect. Have I got a bit here somewhere? I do have a bit here somewhere. If I can reach it without pulling everything off the desk. Yeah, it's just a pull-up leather. So Yeah right. Means that when you Beautiful when you like crease it. It leaves a a lighter mark. So the oils and the waxes in the leather, they're kind of in free motion. So they move around. So you can create that really cool distressed look. Yeah, I love it. It's really cool. Really cool stuff.
0: Wouldn't it be nice if the the felts were that easy? (laughs) to Well,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would be nice because that is just, yeah, crinkle it up a bit, boom. It's just got this instant aged look. Definitely a longer process with the felts.
0: what kind of obstacles did you have to overcome to, to get to where you are now?
1: Many. Um, I mean, there's like, like just discussed obstacles of not sure how to approach certain, certain things, how to achieve a certain finish. Um, I think this was discussed on, on your last podcast as well. Stiffening, um, at the start was, was something. So there's, there's a, company in the uk that does millinery i think it's from parking fabrics and they have a stiffener it's kind of like oh it's it's nasty smelling stuff and it's quite sort of gelatinous it's pretty thick i tried that for a while you brush that stuff on and it, not good it it doesn't react well to water so it would often result in thick white marks in the felt that are pretty much impossible to remove um, after that, I discovered if you heard of Lecco hats, hats by Lecco. Yeah. So I got their their stiffener, um, the the uh, what's it called, hydrolac B five powder shellac, and I got some of that. Diluted it with the isopropyl alcohol, and that worked absolutely brilliant. But it was costing a fortune. Buying these small bags, import duty from the US, shipping from the US, it was, it was killing me. <clears throat> um, so I, I found the company that makes it, and I, I bought a twenty kilo bag, <laughs> which also cost a fortune. But I think I bought one bag, and it, it's still, it's still going after yeah, about four it's or five still years.
0: Going <laughs> Buy in bulk, that's what my wife always says, buy in bulk.
1: Yeah, Yeah. if we can, yeah. But yeah, stiffening was an issue. Pouncing, I'm sure every single hatter is going to say you've hit an obstacle with learning to pounce. Um, Especially if you've just gone, right, I've got my electric sander. I'm going to put 600 (laughs) 600 grit on there and I'm going to pounce this felt. And pretty quickly you you realise... that is going to be a distressed hat. It's no yeah. it's no longer looking very good. <clears throat> so yeah, learning what grits to start with, what types of felts are going to react in different ways because they do Dif- different felts with different stiffening grades. Y- you have to approach your, your pants in differently and really carefully, especially if it's a clean hat. If you're going for a pristine, clean hat, a lot of the time I will just by hand now completely and not even bring out the electric sander because all it takes, so only, only takes a few seconds and before you know it, you've got these nasty flat spots that are, you know, they're there and I, I haven't figured out a way to completely remove them at all. You can scrape away at them with a scalpel but it's quicker to start again um, when you get to that point. I've
0: sometimes um, put felts like that into hot water yeah and uh and that kind of you know when you if you sand a bit too hard and you get that white or you kind of get through that felt to that stiffening yeah the layer of slack, and just yeah. looks like block, yeah blotchy everywhere I've put them into hot or nearly boiling water and
1: that's almost removed it right I'm gonna try that I'm sure I, I'm sure I've still got a few felts in here somewhere with the horrible marks on them so that, that's gonna be my my afternoon i'll uh, I'll give that a go. Otherwise, distressed hats, they are. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Make it look like it was meant to be. So, yeah. (laughs) So um, with your pouncing,
0: or sorry, with your felts, are you getting them pre-pounced now, or do you still kind of get raw felts that you have to pounce?
1: So it depends what I get. So a lot of my felts I'm getting from Tonac, so I buy buy bulk dye lots from them. I mean, they come pre-pounced but they, they need pouncing um so even though it's their what they call lux one pounce which is, i think is their equivalent to special pounce. um so it might be 1200 but once once you've you've steamed it you've blocked it it needs it needs pouncing again those those fibers have opened up they're sticking out everywhere um, Get quite a few Western weights from Millinery Warehouse, and I think a lot of those, you know, they come pre-pounced. But I find everything that's pre-pounced, it's not finished. It, it it needs, it still needs pouncing. Once you've blocked it, it's it still needs work.
0: Have Have you ever tried Willy's felts from Sunrise?
1: I have. Yeah, I've I've got one here. Yeah, man, they're the only ones that I've found love that
0: them. don't need any pouncing at all. Yeah,
1: I mean, I still, I've given that a 1,200, I think, pounce to finish that. Yeah, so that's the Nutria in Almond for a customer. That's a beautiful looking hat. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? I absolutely love working with with those. I've done done quite a few from them Um, every time. They're, they're an absolute dream to work with absolute dream I mean, the the downside is whenever working with nutria or beaver going back to rabbit it's it's <laughs> it's kind of upsetting when you you're pouncing it and you're just like oh this is just it's just not the same well it's not the same by by a, a country mile it's you know such huge huge difference in the quality of the finish you can get um yeah i've had i've had folks from all over the place i've um get quite a few from chris uh from hat, hat makers emporium mr legbass himself In fact i just i just got one from him a couple of days ago because i know he's he's had a bit of a supply issue from fepsa so he's he's been waiting ages and i think he's not getting any beaver i think till next year or something now but yeah keep, i was speaking to him today him, right <laughs>
0: You said that, yeah, poor fella. But yeah, I get they—they they bumped him at the last minute.
1: Yeah, that was yeah. Oh well, yeah, Good to do Fepsa
0: felt, felt <laughs> shortages everywhere. <laughs> well, so, do you think there's a felt shortage? Have you noticed, or is it because there's so many hatters? Or what's going on?
1: Um, so, I've never bought directly from Fepsa. I have tried. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us yeah, are fro- they're <laughs> not
0: so friendly. <laughs>
1: I've spoken to them on the phone. I've emailed them and I feel like I hit a, a, just a brick wall every time. Um, which is a, is a pain because, you know, they are regarded as, you know, the, the finest hat bodies you can get. And whenever I get hold of one, whether it's from Hatmakers Emporium or elsewhere, you, you do notice the difference on in the quality, how tightly felted. The the fibers are it is a tighter felt than you get from some of the other manufacturers. Um, but yeah, so FEPSA are ones just a nightmare to get hold of. But if you can get them, they're great. Most of mine are from Tonac, and I've noticed their wet their wait time has gone gone through the roof. So probably up until about a year ago, I was looking at four to six weeks. For 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 twenty four units in in a single die lot, the last time I placed an order, it shot up to ten weeks. But I think they took twelve twelve weeks. I mean, it's still not that bad compared to what Hatmakers Emporiums dealing with with FEPSA, where it's a year wait. <laughs> but, um, but I think the wait time has got longer. Um, I don't know exactly why, but I mean, it could you know could be a lot to do with. Issues in in Ukraine because especially with rabbit felt because it's Eastern Europe where a lot of the the actual pelts for for the rabbit felt are come coming from as a byproduct. Uh, so yeah, they are a bit more difficult to get hold of, and I've had a few customers recently where they they're after something in a Western weight, and straight away I go I go look on Millinery Warehouse, <clears throat> find a color that I think. It's going to match what they want. And I have to tell a customer they're they're coming back in stock on this date. (laughs) If you want it, you need, you need to jump now because they are gone like quick popular colors. I mean, it's like, you can, you can go on there one day and they've just restocked. And two days later, they're, they're all gone just like that.
0: Yeah. I was thinking about them today, actually. Um, because they their suppliers in the Ukraine. And so like millinery Warehouse are kind of like the the easy like you can kind of get them now. Yeah. You know, everyone else you Winchester you have to wait. Yeah. Tonak you have to wait. Um Fepsa, who knows? <laughs> so and I was just thinking like if anything happens over in the Ukraine to their factory, yeah. Everyone's gonna have everyone's gonna have problems. Yeah,
1: that would be a huge issue. I think from my understanding, I think they're based in the West of the country. I think I might be wrong. So I think currently far, far enough away from, from the front line. Um, Excuse me. Fingers crossed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when you order with Tonac and you just order one color, are you just getting like a, a lighter color and then dying? those belts or no
1: so there's there's just a few a few colors that i use for my regular hats that i have on the on my website <laughs> now instead of etsy store <laughs> on my website so <laughs> brand new website <laughs> brand new website so congratulations I, by the way. thank you very much uh yes yeah, so i'll just order 24 units of which color i sell a lot of so black the light gray ones they're sort of the two main ones that I'm sort of my they're not pre-made hats but they're my regular designs that you can just order in your size uh, and i sell quite a lot of those um so they're just the two main colors i go with for other colors like i was mentioning with millinery warehouse i'll just order in some one-offs um when i need a specific color if a customer comes with an idea for a specific color just order them in as a one-off
0: yep and are you doing mostly custom orders or
1: are you doing a lot of ready-to-wear? So generally I do n- no ready-to-wear hats at all. So ev- everything's made to order. So if I've got a ready-to-wear hat, it's usually because I've made it as a, a new design or tried something new um, and I don't want it for myself. And then it'll just go up as, as a ready-to-wear. But it's extremely extremely rare that I will have a sort of ready to wear, ready to ship hat.
0: And so what's your wait time like if I was to order
1: one off your brand new website? So I'm stating up to 15 weeks to give myself a little bit of extra room, Uh, but realistically right now I'm looking about 10, 10 weeks. Awesome.
0: And so I noticed before that you were selling on Etsy. Yeah. Yeah how how did that go for
1: you? At the start, which was ten years ago, great. Um, it seemed the perfect the perfect platform for for what I wanted to do because previously I'd I'd sold the first hats on <laughs> on a eBay, but I wanted to find somewhere that had better fees, and it was going to be a place where people are looking for handcrafted goods and that's exactly what Etsy was when I started I'd, I'd even bought a few things on Etsy that are just these unique completely handcrafted just beautiful things um, but over time they, they've they completely changed what they stand for the types of things that they sell um, You you go on Etsy now and instead of finding lots of maybe handcrafted hats or handcrafted musical instruments. You're you just seeing printed T-shirts, stickers, printed mugs, things that are like print-on-demand and drop-shipped items. Um, so over time, they, they gradually changed their rules, um, brought in new policies. It's a bit more like Alibaba. Well, exactly. <laughs> but it just became more... And more restricting for the actual seller and kind of felt like they're no longer prioritizing real hand crafters. It was, it's these print on demand, quick turnover, making more money shops that were kind of getting prioritized and all the real handcrafted sellers can kind of just get getting left behind. And it was just this last policy uh, that was the, it was the last nail in the coffin. And I can I can see the, the guys over at Hatbox Australia two what, two weeks ago also made made the same move for the the exact same reason. Um it just it just doesn't work to have somebody place an order for something that's custom made where you might have to buy in X amount of materials, but you don't get paid until maybe forty five days, ninety days, or when you ship it. If it was just one if it was just one hat and it was custom, so I had to order in the felt it could probably you know absorb that, but if I had maybe three or four orders, I'm looking at maybe a thousand pounds you know maybe almost thirteen hundred dollars to spend on materials without getting paid, and it's just just not not doable, so it was time time to wave goodbye. <laughs> To
0: Etsy, (laughs) and do you think that people found you directly through Etsy, or were they going through like finding you through Instagram and then your Instagram was directing them to Etsy? So there's
1: definitely a bit of both. I always used to keep keep an eye on all the the analytics of where people were coming from. Um, So I think I I was bringing about thirty to forty percent of my Etsy visitors through Instagram and, and Facebook, but Etsy search did, you know, bring in a lot, a lot of visitors. I mean, maybe not a lot of people that that would place an order, but I think a lot of people do search on Etsy. And one of the, the benefits of Etsy was the, the Google, Google ads. So I would regularly show up really high in in searches for images if somebody for instance search for one of my main styles so johnny depp fedora because i do a replica of his gray fedora that would be within the, the first five images on a on a google search with a link to to my etsy page so i'm sure so i'm sure that that brought in quite quite a lot of orders probably for for those particular styles because that's probably something that people search for fairly regularly um but yeah so probably about 40% I was bringing in through social and and the rest that Etsy was probably bringing in through their Google ads and through their own uh, Etsy search. So are you feeling uh confident
0: about the transition to the website? I'm
1: feeling good. Yeah, I mean I I wasn't feeling confident while making the website cuz I've I I wasn't prepared for kind of how in depth that was gonna be. Having only ever sold previously on eBay and Etsy, where you when you create a page, it's kind of created for you and you just fill in fill in the blanks. Um whereas doing this Shopify site some people will probably be laughing, saying, no oh, Shopify is easy. Not for me. <laughs> no, it wasn't it wasn't easy for me. <laughs> um there's there's a lot of blanks to fill in. In fact, just just building pages from scratch. Um especially when you've got an idea in your head of how you want it to look. And then sort of melding and doing the alchemy to actually make this website look like what's what's in your head was... Um, that was a big learning curve, really big. But it's out and there there are a few things that I know I need to sort out, but I'm confident with it. It, it, looks, it looks good. I'll say good. I won't say excellent. I want it to look excellent but at the moment it looks good (laughs) you
0: you mostly captured the uh, the vision that you had for it
1: yeah i think so i mean there's there's always other things that i'd love to do um I, i have a vision for a website where people can kind of create their dream hat almost like you can have a hat builder where you You build a virtual hat where you you have a silhouette of the shape, you choose the crown, you choose the brim, and then you start choosing the colors. I'd I'd really love to do something like that, but that's way beyond um, my technological skills at the moment. (laughs) Need some of those uh, kids that know how to build apps. Yeah, exactly. To give you a hand. These kids and their apps. (laughs) Oh dear!
0: And so, with the website, if if someone wanted to purchase one, are they paying the full price before it's um, made, or are they leaving a deposit? How are you sorting out?
1: So it's that kind of thing? full payment upfront. Yeah. So I used to make the hat and then with no deposit, and and then <laughs> take the payment when it was ready to ship. <laughs> and what a gentleman! yeah or (laughs) idiot I think is probably more accurate yeah I ended up with um a a few unwanted unclaimed hats uh and many lost hours and material with no payment so change to full payment up front especially when I opened Etsy because that's just the way that works that was you you buy the item you you pay for it um but I just implemented that with, with everything. It just makes ev- everything simpler. Some people, maybe, well, some can't afford it, some don't like it, but it's just the way I work. It guarantees I'm not going to have any time wasters because there, there are time wasters out there. We've, we've spoken a little <laughs> bit about this. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah,
0: they're pretty easy to pick
1: now. Yeah, you can spot them. Yeah, like when I messaged you the other day, I just had this feeling about this guy, yeah. and I was like, <laughs> Have you spoken to this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah I kind of got that vibe
0: from him straight away, too. Yeah, so yeah, I've uh since removed his
1: uh profile from my following list. Good move. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's full full payment up front um for all all orders from myself these days. Yeah,
0: that's a good that's good. I think that's a great idea. I did that for a little while and then I um I think and then I wanted to put my prices up, so I felt a little uncomfortable
1: about it. It does. it does feel uncomfortable. Um but I think you you've just got to stand by your values and especially when when like yourself and others that have been doing it quite a while and we do have feedback out there people these days easily can go and go and see that you are going to receive you know e- exactly what it is that that you're paying for i think when you've got you've got that behind you it's it's not a big thing to ask people pay up front because we're making something completely custom for them you know, we're, we're putting our time and money into it. So it should be their money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. I'm changing up. I'm changing up full payments from now. On. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Awesome.
0: <laughs> um. So I was going to ask you, do you have a favorite type of felt to work with? But I think you probably already. Yeah, favorite, but...
1: definitely. The Western weight beaver nutria is, Easily my, my favorite favorite to work with. It's straight away, even before you block it, the feel of it. You, I just get this oh, awesome feeling when I touch it. I just love that. I could sit and stroke it all, all day. Um, but when you're blocking it, pouncing it, and then the finished result, there's there's nothing like it. So, yeah, just heavy, heavy Western weight. It's got a believer. unique smell. Yeah, and the smell brilliant got to it to yeah to, definitely yeah, yeah. <laughs> um what about dress weights do you use those at all so a lot of the regular designs that i do like i mentioned with the the tonac felts that i get there i wouldn't say they're quite dress weights they're about 170 gram so that they're, they're in between the they're, they're not quite western but they're they're not sort of your 1940s kind of dress weight um don't really like working with really like 140 gram, 130 gram, or even like even some like 80. I think I got uh, an 80 gram beaver felt once. Oh my God. I mean, it just, <laughs> I, it's probably because they're actually difficult to work with, especially when it comes to sewing in a, a sweatband when the sweatband actually becomes much more structural than the felt is um the felt's just all over the place it's i find them quite quite difficult to work with so it could be a little bit to do with that i just shine away from it because i don't i don't like working with these because they're actually quite difficult to work with but for for myself i i like a hat with a bit more structure more rigid and I think a lot of my customers do as well, something that's going to hold its shape. I mean, something like, if I was to make that from dress weight, that brim's, it's got a slight upturn. Because it, it's quite a wide brim, they're just not going to hold up. Um, I like something with a bit more a bit more oomph, as we say in Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I like a little bit of a, a wider, thicker, stiffer felt. Yeah. Do you ever um, have customers that say, "Oh, it's a bit too uh, a bit too stiff or a bit too hard
1: on my head"? I haven't done for a while, but have done in the past. Yeah, um, and to be honest, I think that was actually a hat that I had completely stiffened the shit out of. Probably when I first got my twenty kilo bag of stiffener, and I just went all trigger like happy with it, like yeah. <laughs> I can turn these really floppy felts into a brick. Uh I think I probably had gone over top with with the stiffener. Um not so much anymore. I think I mean a lot of that probably does come down to head shape. Um because even if a hat's really rigid, if it's the correct shape it's not it's not so much of an issue whereas obviously if you've you've got a really stiff western weight felt and it's not blocked to a near enough head shape for them then it is gonna be an issue especially if, if they're a longer oval and they've got kind of a regular oval it's gonna give them pretty bad headaches and press on that forehead yeah pretty hard a bit tight
0: are you using um a range of block shapes
1: or do you um change the shape of the hat after you've blocked it so i block in the head shape so for almost every style i've got i've got a regular or slim oval, as some places call it, block, and I have the long oval equivalent. Um I've got a few that are in between. I think they're oval 36, I think is what they're referred to by the hat block makers. I know there's there's so many different ovals. Um none of us would have the money to to have every sing every single size <laughs> in every Every single shape uh, but i I often create um, like a band block as well if because I send templates out to to customers if it's going to be a, a style that's got quite a, a stiff felt and if I offer it in both long or, or regular oval I'll, I'll send out some templates for them to try on and if they find that they're a half halfway between the long and regular oval, I'll basically make like a band block um that's in in the oval 36 kind of shape so in between so then after i've done the initial blocking put the band block in iron the brim flat again and and go from there
0: so do you do that the template thing with all your customers or do you have a chat with a lot of
1: them or so it depends what they're buying so a few like i said i've got the 170 gram felt for a lot of the designs they're pretty forgiving felts they'll you know you get a little bit of brim distortion but that's where you find you know if it's a fedora you you pop one side of the brim down and and it conforms to your head shape if it's something that's got to have a flat brim or it's a western weight either if they've contacted me beforehand about the hat i will get the templates out to them or if they place an order i will then get in touch with them and and say right for this hat we need to know what, what your head shape is. And I'll either email the templates out for them to print or I'll send out an uh, actual physical template. Fantastic.
0: And that's just something they can print out and then cut the hole out and then pop on their head. Yeah, to see. Ex-
1: exactly. Yeah, so I just scanned, basically scanned my hat blocks um, on the scanner, created a PDF, which is then if it's printed out, correctly which it often isn't <laughs> so it's often printed out wrong and they go it doesn't fit and I go, did you follow the instructions to print out a hundred percent actual size and they go no <laughs> okay uh, yeah so they can they can print it out i usually tell them stick it onto a piece of card as well don't just do a piece of paper um stick it onto something stiff cut out the oval try each one on and it's you know it's instantly obvious um if one's better than the other you've got Someone with a long oval head putting a regular oval hat on and it's rocking all over the place doesn't doesn't sit. The amount of people are just so so surprised and amazed when they go, "Oh my god, I never realised this is why hats I've tried on in the shop never fit me." It's like yeah, every every everyone's head is is different, <laughs> really different. Do you uh, use a conformature at all? No, I mean I'd love to get one, but not having a physical shop um i probably wouldn't have much much use for it if i was if i was to open up a shop where i i did custom fittings and people came in it would be a beautiful thing to own because i mean they're a great tool you know really practical but i mean they look great as well that would just add, yeah, add a ri- yeah, yeah exactly yeah. just like really nice nice piece of drama added to the hat making process but uh, currently I just don't have use for them. It would just sit there gathering dust and, and of the, the few that are left out there, they are not cheap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely. Need to sell a few hats before you can afford one.
1: Definitely a few. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've seen a um, a few new ones come out though, like semi 3D printed. Yeah, then, I think um, I've seen I a few of those. There's a guy from France that's made one. Yeah. And um, he's got a great, it's, it's metal and I think 3D printed, like a metal frame. Yeah. And then he's got like a little uh, part that sits over your head so that you're not kind of messing around. Yeah. With, uh, it's, and it just sits nice and flush. It looks really good. I can't remember his, um, web or his Instagram. No. I think it's maybe O-L-E or something like that. Okay. But, yeah, really amazing. Yeah, there's some, some interesting new stuff coming out
1: yeah definitely I have to check that out because 'Cause I'd, I'd just love to own one, but it's very rare that I make a hat for someone local um I do make a few i've I have a few friends and acquaintances that that I've made hats for that will come around and collect their hat and but um in terms of actually doing in person fittings and such, not gonna happen till I get a real a real shop if if I ever decide to go down that route. Is that something that could be on the cards for you in the future? Maybe. Maybe. Um all depends. It depends on where where I end up, or where me and my wife end up, should I say. Um because at the moment we live in just outside the city centre in York in this little terrace house and it's it's the kind of house that you could imagine someone from a dickensian novel would live in not not the posh people the, the poor people these you know the, the common really common houses in in the north of england where there was a lot of industry and, and factories in the north of england so in victorian period they just built hundreds of these workers houses basically um they're just Two, bed- two bedrooms two rooms downstairs and they're, they're pretty small at the moment this room my workshop is the is one of the bedrooms so i've taken over you know the, the whole bedroom to to be the workshop can't really invite people around here um can't have a physical shop here because it also needs to be a home but maybe depends where we move um there is a hat shop in in York called the, the hat shop and they mostly just sell Christie's ladies hats. Um, Cause there is a, a big horse racing event in York. It's one of the, the bigger, more popular horse racing. So that hat shop probably does well with that kind of thing. If I was to open a, open a shop here, I, I think I'd, I'd be bust and bankrupt in, yeah. in no time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's, yeah, my town's the same. It's uh kind of a, a little beachside retiree centre, and uh, yeah, not much happening here too.
1: Yeah, just the and, and the business rates that they charge. Cause York, y- y- have you ever heard of York? I have heard of York. Yeah, because mo- most people <laughs> have will been. have done because it's it is a really famous historic town. Um, probably second to London, really in the UK in, in terms of how its historical significance so it's very touristy so we we get a lot of tourists which means the shops in town pay an enormous tax bill for for having a shop in town it's notoriously expensive as are the houses like everything here is really expensive so opening a shop here no if i could live somewhere with a bit more of a calm relaxed vibe that would have you know people with similar sort of interests that that could probably work but we'll have to see for now it's just online you got
0: more access to people online anyway, exactly really. yeah and then you've got the freedom to uh not be at your shop
1: yeah <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> which which is one of the main benefits
1: yeah definitely yeah. um Working from home, just having my workshop in here is great. It means that the dogs are hardly ever left on their own. Um, so I can check on them, get them out whenever whenever needed. I can stop whenever I want. I can have a break and just watch TV if I need to just completely clear my mind and go somewhere else for 50, 20 minutes. Yeah, it just makes things easy. recently uh got married. Yeah, I have. Very recently. How was that? It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. So yeah, we got married in May. Couldn't have asked for better weather. The the perfect day uh, in terms of weather and just the, the perfect day all around. Um after months of planning, because we planned everything ourselves. We didn't have a wedding planner um i say we it was mostly amanda <laughs> planned everything <laughs> i did i did my best but i think i i was uh swimming with my head just above the water with the planning i was like oh my god this is i i just did not expect it to it to be so complicated to bring bring everything together but it all came together we had the best day it was just amazing just amazing i recommend it to everyone get married
0: <laughs> i saw uh at the reception there was a little bit of uh music playing and uh there was one hell of a guitar solo yeah that you busted
1: out well yeah with a, a few a few errors um but i i i, I allow myself those few errors i it'd been a, a long day um yeah so decided to to perform with my own band that used to be our sort of full time job um did a few of our own original songs for crowd pleasers for our mega fans that that most of our friends are but we we knew we knew we had to play some like proper party bangers classic classic rock songs um and decided that I was going to attempt to learn the guitar solo for, for beat it played by Eddie Van Halen, which, which was quite a decision in the end. <laughs> it's not a small feat by any means. It, no, it wasn't a small feat. I think, yeah, I think I decided a year prior that I was, I was going to go for it. And I told the band and they all, they all looked at me like, you know, there's a guitar solo in that, right? That's not, not very easy. Um, but yeah, just, Put put in some hours on the guitar and just about got there. I think just about. I was
0: blown away <laughs> yeah. when I saw it. It was incredible. Oh
1: yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think anyone who
0: plays guitar was uh, was a little bit jealous. Yeah, of that. Yeah, it was an incredible performance and at your own wedding. Yeah,
1: awesome. I know. Oh it it just felt like I had I had three areas of stress that day. Uh, first one was shit i'm getting married like an actual ceremony i've, I've got to get get through that without passing out breaking down in tears next was the speech um and then even after then everyone else was like job done best man was like i've done my speech that's my job done but i still had to nail that guitar solo even though the, the, the best man is the bass player in the band but hey it's just bass <laughs> 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 but, uh, does he
0: play with a pick or with his fingers?
1: A, a bit of both, actually. Mostly with the pick, but uh, he does play with fingers on some things as well. Whatever suits suits the tune, it suits the song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was awesome. Um, and then after after playing the the set, I finally got to have two or three beers, I think. And then that was it. The night the night was over. The whole day was just just a blur. She's just gone. <laughs> how awesome yeah. and the
0: rest of your lives together exactly yeah it's brilliant yeah lovely <laughs> um i wanted to ask you do you have a favorite hat that you've made
1: sorry one second i've just realized my laptop is shouting at me because i've not plugged the charger in okay it's happy now it's happy <laughs> i've plugged it in a favorite hat um that changes i think um i think at the moment i'm wearing this one quite a lot really enjoying wearing this um
0: how would you describe that one
1: i would describe this one as which doctor meets victorian tramp (laughs) I'm <laughs> I'm going with which doctor on that one but yeah it's kind of like a Victorian style top hat squashed stressed it's got a crow's foot some crow's feathers so this one at the moment's um my flavor of the month yeah what size hat do you wear ah so this is quite an interesting one so at the moment you're already intrigued, because I'm saying at the moment, uh, 57. Um, so about just just over a year ago, uh, me and Amanda got, got COVID. And about a month or so after COVID, we both noticed we're losing a lot more hair. And seriously, I was... When I was washing my hair, I was getting balls of hair like this every, every single time. Um, before COVID, I was wearing a size 58. And that, and then I noticed that all my hats started slipping down onto my ears. I was like, what is going on? And we, we Google searched about losing, losing your hair after COVID. And apparently, it's a, it's a common thing losing a lot of hair i mean luckily i've got loads of hair and nobody really notices but in terms of like obviously how dense my hair is it's it's taken my head size down a little bit wow you've actually got some of the most luscious locks in the industry (laughs) in Um... in which industry in the (laughs) hatting industry
0: in the hat making (laughs) industry yeah there's a a lot of us fellas with uh curly long hair yeah but uh i think that yours are probably probably the best Uh, also um uh what's his name? Nomad from Austria. Okay. Had some really nice uh locks, but I think
1: he's cut all his off. that's ah, a shame. How do, how do you take how do you take care of yours? Uh I, what's the secret? I don't do very much. Seriously. Uh wash it as little as possible. Um Put it up a lot of the time, out of the way. Like, I mean it's some, something we've got to address. Okay, so when we're doing our our Instagram videos, and we're there, and we've got a hat on, and we've got our hair down, wearing a nice shirt, making hats, blocking. Don't do that, do we? <laughs> no, only when you pull the camera out. Yeah. Only when you get the camera out. <laughs> when we're actually working, scruffy clothes, some hair out the way, no hat. Yeah, but it's what we got. But it's what we've got to do. People expect us to. Um, be wearing a hat when we're promoting hats but uh yeah so I don't do very much with the hair to be honest I mean it's it just it looks different every day I mean as you know having longer curlier wavier hair it's never the same it just it just does what it wants on on each day
0: depending on the weather
1: exactly which here is usually raining <laughs>
0: Oh, so sad.
1: That's the north of England. <laughs> it's um, it's wet.
0: Nice, uh, nice weather. I, sometimes I wish that we had more of that because uh, when it's beautiful and sunny outside, I live just you know 500 meters from the beach. Yeah, and I look out my studio and it's beautiful, but I'm stuck inside this little dungeon, you know. And I really want to be outside. If it was raining, I wouldn't feel too bad about it.
1: Yeah, it's double double edged sword, really, isn't it? But um. Yeah, here it's, we're having a bit of a weird summer, Uh, which is why I think we got so lucky on our wedding day back in in May where weather was perfect. It wasn't too hot, but I don't even think we saw a cloud all day, but because it was still sort of mid-spring, it wasn't so hot that everyone in the suit was just dripping. But this this summer has, this July, it's just rained nearly every single day. Outside, the temperature feels like autumn for us at the moment it's it's really strange especially when in the rest of europe they're experiencing this insane heat wave it's um, causing well it's it's really bad like, i've seen uh, all the fires and stuff that are happening in in italy from it in greece so they've got this crazy heat wave and we've basically got on a early autumn it's just skipped skipped summer altogether the weather's not too kind to England, is it? Some t- it can be, but we're not we're not known as a a suntan holiday destination. We we'll put it that way.
0: So you've got your witch doctor style hat on. How would you describe your style of hats in general?
1: Um, I think I cover such such a varied sort of spectrum of, of different hats but in terms of like you have your opinion on how you view yourself and for me it's rustic bit of drama like I said before something, something's something got a bit of a story that's that's how I see myself is and my style, something that's got a bit of age and a bit of drama to it rustic, distressed beaten up on its last legs, kind of hat. <laughs>
0: they have a real authentic look to them, and <clears throat> I know, like you uh, sell so your like Johnny Depp fedora, but I think um, for me, looking at your hats, it's like they really capture that style, you know. And he's got that that look. That um, I think, if yeah, as a hat maker, like that's kind of what you want to be able to capture, yeah. And um, I think you do it perfectly.
1: It was, I mean, it's pretty much where I started with the fedoras was making kind of a replica of his grey hat. And and the reason for that is I kind of knew I already had an audience because a lot of these Captain Jack cosplayers, I would notice that when they're not dressed as Jack, they kind of dress like Johnny. And they might have bought a pirate hat from me and I was like, well, I've kind of already got these customers there that have bought this pirate hat that might like this light grey fedora hat. And that's exactly how, how it all started, really. They they bought a pirate hat and then they bought the, the Johnny Depp fedora. Um, so I spent quite a bit of time really studying the pictures of his fedora. Um, and it didn't just have, well, at least when it's on his head, it didn't have just the standard upturn it kind of had this little dip down before it dips up and that that's probably more because the hat's too small for him uh and it being kind of forced on his head that then gives it that kind of bow down but i had owen at guy moss brown make make me a set of brim blocks that that had that that shape um just to try and replicate it as closely as possible and other than my Captain Jack Tricon, that the, the grey Johnny Depp fedora is my biggest seller over the last sort of five, five or six years. Sell so many of them. Well, it's awesome. It just means I'm constantly cleaning the workshop because that is a light, really light grey. If you if you look at it wrong, it gets a dark stain on it. <laughs> Devastating. Yep. Do you use a lot of uh, flanges and, and uh, brim-type blocks in your work? I'd pretty much everything. Um, I don't do many flat brim hats. Very, very rare I do an actual flat brim, I think. Out of the the hats that I have on my website, there's only one hat that doesn't use an actual brim block, and that's the Derby, which I curl with the shackles and then and then shape by hand from from a, a flat brim i think nearly everything else i, I do on some sort of brim block i just i i like flat brims but i i like a good shaped brim i like a nice upturn gives you a bit of an option to pop you know snap the brim down or pop one side down Gives you versatility, a few options.
0: Yeah, it's it's nice to uh <clears throat> to see hats move beyond the f- the flat brim. You know, there's so much to do with a brim, really.
1: Yeah. Well that can be done with a brim. Do you have a favourite brim width? Uh ten centimetre for myself. Yeah, if I'm going for a wide brim, um I like I like big hats. I like tall crowns, wide brims. Even though I'm not wearing a, even, I mean, even for a for a topper, that's still eight eight centimeters for me. That that's a short brim now. Is an eight centimeter brim. That's what most people would class as a a wide brim. But I I wouldn't even wear a, f- a fedora with a brim as short as eight centimeters. Now it's ten. That's my happy place. Is ten centimeter brim. Oh, sorry. Are you you working inches? That's that's four inches. <laughs> That, yeah i like a four inch two and a half to four inch brim you, you use inches when talking about brims <laughs> i remember from your, your podcast last week
0: from the last one yeah, yeah. and the same with the uh, crowns as well yeah. I, I do centimeters for the size but for the crown yeah. height i'll use inches and for the brim width which is crazy um what about crown height how how high do you like to go with a crown
1: um so minimum for for myself 14 really uh, 14 centimeters. Um, so I do, I offer a few different, uh, crown heights on all my fedoras that I sell. So I have risers for the blocks. So if somebody orders the hat, they can choose either it to be 12, 13 or 14 centimeters tall. But for myself, I like a nice tall brim. That's a five and a half inch brim crown. Yeah. Right. There you go. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) inches <laughs> yeah so for, 14 centimeters you said yeah 14 was? centimeters yeah yeah just getting out the old google conversion yeah
0: yeah yeah that's a nice nice amount of height
1: but i do a few like the the tall boy hat that i do where it's it's kind of the crown's kind of bashed a bit a bit like a campaign but without the back of it done so you just put the campaign sort of too dense in the front so you actually end up peaking the crown pretty much at the the top of the block um so they end they end up more like if i want the tallest about 16 centimeters that's you're 16 gonna half. yeah yeah so that's a that's a tall one hence the name the tall boy <laughs> Which is definitely not me. I'm I'm a short I'm a short boy myself. Really? Yeah. Only uh, five five foot six. So I'm I'm yeah, I'm, a, I'm only little, which is why a tall crown make makes me look taller. <laughs> what's what, What's
0: five foot six in uh, in centimeters? 169, I believe. Ah, there you go. All right. Yeah, I'm about five ten, just a little bit. What else? What else? Um, oh yeah, what other hat makers have inspired you along along your journey?
1: Quite a lot. Yeah, uh, I mean, initially, like I said, I, I watched um, Nick 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 Fouquet videos, and that kind of kind of got me started, and, and kind of showed me what sort of things are possible, even though I'm. I'm not a fan um of his of his work these days or his work ethic and copyright uh enforcement um but it's his I, I I appreciate his his early stuff his I think some of his early hats were were actually really cool um I'm just not so keen on on what he does these days but as a start as a starting point because there wasn't really much else around that was easily accessible that definitely gave me a kickstart and like i said an idea of oh this is the sort of thing you can actually do and there are people that like this kind of thing but i follow loads loads on on instagram i, I printed out a list because because uh, uh, <laughs> i knew you'd ask this question so i was oh, like good. I, I don't i was like i don't want to i don't want to forget. Someone so Blake's <laughs> me. Um, I love what he does. He's cool. Good old Blake's me. He's he great. Such a, he's cool. He's a pillar. See, I I really appreciate the hatters that I I see as really skilled hat makers. So to to some people, the hat might might look a bit boring. Not their kind of style. Not the distressed. But as a solid hat maker that makes. A really good quality hat i mean blakesby he's he's right up there he's he knows he knows his craft um and i i personally love his hats i i wouldn't wear them with my style but i i love i love what he does there's colby colby hebert
0: yeah it's a cajun
1: hatter uh i love hat butcher the hat butcher he's cool yeah, I, I, can, I feel like I identify a bit with, with his hats. I'd I wear his hats. They're are awesome. I've got yourself on here, mate. Got yourself. You're you're there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Fifth on the list. What? <laughs> it, it's it's not in order of, mm. of who I appreciate the most. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I like watching blade hats in Spain work. Um oh yeah um, he's uh he's jumped up a lot there he just
0: made a hat for slash
1: yeah i saw yeah so he's he's cool i've spoke to him a few times recently um he's a cool guy uh he's he's a metalhead like me so i i can you know identify what he's doing um make some cool looking hats don't know how he's got his instagram profile to where it is if you're if you're listening let us know. We we all want to know. <laughs> Give us some tips. <laughs> how how do you do your Instagram, um, Matt at Sierra and South? Um, I, I loved his podcast with you. That was it was cool. Uh, we've had a couple of short discussions in in the past. Uh, I'd love to go see him one day. Hopefully, you know, next time if I'm down in London, could hopefully hook up and talk hats with him. But he makes some. Some cool looking hats. He knows what he's doing as well. He's another another hatter that has gone deep into the traditional techniques of how how to best make a, a good quality hat that is that is gonna last. Um this one probably won't be a surprise. Gunner Fox. I mean Oh uh, yeah. I thought that's who I thought you might say. Yeah, just I mean man. He's the cool he's the coolest star. Huh? He's he's great. I mean, he he not only does all the drama on his Instagram where he makes it look cool, he's also like really good at his craft making insanely good quality hats. Um I'd say definitely one of my main influences and I have to be careful cuz I, I always want to make his hats and like no I can't <laughs> Yeah. I know I've I've come <laughs> close once or twice. And I'm like, no, that is that's too much. Like I've I've replicated one of his hats just for myself uh, because I loved it so much. As I, like, it's not a hat I'll make for anyone else, but I love that hat, and I'm going to make it for me. Oh yeah, um, good on you.
0: Have you had any dealings with him? Have you had any
1: no. chats or conversations? No, he's a bit of a um, ghost, isn't he? Like, yeah. I mean, he's been absent on Instagram for a while because um, so I always check in to see if he's come up with something new, new design, but it seems like it's been a long time since, since he posted anything. But in the, the work that he does, I mean, he's probably busy making hats for movies because it's what he spends a lot of his time doing. Do
0: you have any thoughts on the finishes of his hats? Because in his photos, they look like they're like, I don't know if they're wet or they're like just covered in some kind of uh, sh- like full-on shellac, but they've got like a. They look really hard. Yeah, I
1: have a lot of thoughts on it, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, can't uh, give those secrets away. We we'll talk
0: about that. No. later.
1: yeah, uh, you know, I've I've really delved deep in trying to to get there, and I think probably a, a lot of us have had to go with, you know, just rubbing beeswax um, into the felt, and while you do, you get that initial look. It doesn't, it doesn't last. It's a bit tacky. It's not going to be great in hot weather. So I, I've spent quite a lot of time experimenting with lots of materials and substances and alchemy to try and figure out. way to get that kind of look because i absolutely love it i I love that look um i feel like i've come up with some finishes that are that are close but his do just have this like i said shiny but it it looks wet so i don't know if he's finishing with a a resin over the top i don't don't know
0: he's got some great shapes too. He's yeah. Those fedoras with those extra deep dents.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. This is where I yeah. said I've yeah. come close to too close probably <laughs> to copy one of his designs where I've done these hats with these deep dents. Um they just look they look so cool. I mean I don't think he technically owns that. I'm I'm trying to justify it. He doesn't own that design. We we we, we can all we can all rock that look as long it's as, as we don't of us copy it. it. <laughs> I mean, it's we. half of us copied. No, we 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 spoke about copying again, didn't we? Um, a couple of couple of weeks back with this that same one customer, um, which is why I reached out to you saying this guy wants me to make your hat. <laughs> Have you spoke to him? <laughs> so,
0: but yeah, I've... there's a few things that seem to go around. Like it's kind of one person's, and then all of a sudden someone does it, and then once somebody sees that it's done, then. It, it kind of gives permission to somebody else. And the next thing you know, everyone's got a skull in the crown of their hat. Yeah,
1: exactly. It becomes public domain. <laughs> it's out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, gonna Fox, awesome hats, massive inspiration for myself. Love what he does. He's someone that's at the top of his game. Um, he's, is he... Kind of second generation hatter, isn't he? I think it was his uncle or his grand, or his grandparents that
0: grandfather yeah, maybe, yeah.
1: That was making hats for like John Wayne and all sorts in all the the old old Western films. Which that's that's not a bad place to start, really, is it? You know, with that kind of experience in in the house. But yeah, Gunner Fox, I've got on on my list. Got Chris. So, Mister Mister Legbas, Mister Legbas, yeah, he makes some cool hats. He's got vision. He's he comes up with some awesome, completely unique. He's you know yeah. instantly recognizable style. Whenever you see one of his hats pop up on a Google search, like yeah, I know, I know who yeah, made or that.
0: Even on those Chinese sites
1: that steal the images, yeah, yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Yeah. I, I, I had to message him the other week about that because I saw one of his hats and I was like, that's. That's one of Chris's hats, but that's not his website. Uh, I'm seeing more and more, more and more of it at the moment. Like these fake, fake websites. I've had to notify Google and Pinterest of loads of my images. Whenever I see anyone else's, I always, always report it. So Blade Hats got hit hard. That's probably a a nasty byproduct of him being so successful on Instagram is that people are now really trying to rip him off. So, I see loads of Facebook shops pretending to sell his hats um but yeah, Mr. Legbass hat's seen those, some of mine hat butchers they're just everywhere saying you can buy this buy this hat for forty dollars it's like you can you can't buy the felt for forty dollars.
0: I saw that um ugly outlaw had yeah um s- someone sent him a message asking where the hat was. <laughs> And they bought it off a Chinese site because that were using his images.
1: Oh, dear. Yeah, that, that's another hat maker that's not on my list, but I love I love their hats. They are cool. Really good. Yeah, hats. he's
0: got a nice style. I'll just go back to Chris for a second because Chris, Mr. Legvis, yeah. he's, um, he's been around for quite a while too, yeah. much like yourself. Yeah. And he's done some really amazing, really amazing work. <clears throat> I was, yeah, always shocked at – um. At the quality of his stuff and his like and he continues just to kind of get better
1: and better yeah his hats just look finished to perfection and just the the amount of detail he goes into so not only does the you know you've got his base hat you've got your felt and it looks amazing but all this this leather work that he's doing all this time that he's putting into a like insane amount of detail on these hats that's it's just at another level of craftsmanship and, and skill. It's just insane. Indeed. All right, who's next? Who's next? So Honskov, another quality hat maker. Um you know, not doing much on the sort of distress side and artistry, but in terms of like making a solid quality hat he knows his stuff he's making good quality hats that are going to last a lifetime awesome i love watching him work and his his socials really good as well his videos re- really nice clean look like completely complements his brand um yeah i felt sorry for him when the whole the whole matchstick thing is, you know this it was shit <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe you should explain that for uh, for all the newcomers that maybe
1: didn't catch that a few years back. So as far as, far as I know, um, Peter Hornskov, he used to put a matchstick in all his hats. I think it was his grandfather collected matchboxes or, or something of the sort. And then Hornskov sort of adopted all his collection and would put one matchstick in the bow on the hat band for every hat, sort of to honour his either it was his, his father or his grandfather, and then along came Nick Fouquet who filed him with a lawsuit as he'd copyrighted putting a single match in the in the bow on a hat band, and yeah, I can't imagine what that felt like having. Built this brand, this branding idea that wasn't just a branding idea, was also sort of really personal to him. To be forced to remove that and also have to remove all all his images, redo all his his marketing from a different angle. Um, I just I really think it's completely out of order <laughs> to do to do that. Um I don't I don't feel like having a match in a hat is something that's owned by anyone i think that's that's something that that goes way back people were putting matches in the hats putting all sorts of things in the hats i don't i don't think it should be something that can be copyrighted i think that should be something that is you know that's for everyone
0: um oh, i was thinking about trademarking a feather in the hat so no one else can put a feather in a hat. i know exactly it's hat. like
1: i i put I the i put the pin in my in most of my custom hats, so I put I put this pin in here, and it's part of my logo, which I don't have on hand. But it, it makes the V when the pin's open part of my logo. I'm not going to attempt to copyright putting a pin like that in my hat because I'm not going to be the first person that's put a pin like that in a hat. Um, I can't. Thank I you, can't, because I've can't claim it. In the it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: Thank you, because sometimes I put a pin in the hat.
1: Yeah, I see plenty of other hats putting <laughs> pins in the hats, and it's it's not mine. I might use it as kind of like my logo, but I'm not going to attempt to to put a, a, a legal claim on that being mine and and mine alone, because I don't I don't think it's right to do that. But um, yeah, uh, Nick Nick Fouquet had other ideas, which I think. Was probably the turning point where a lot of people stopped re- respecting him um, and see him in a different light.
0: Yeah, it was an interesting time. I remember seeing um, that po- that post from from Peter, and it was just that the burnt matches, yeah, on the on the table, and then all the all his images were gone and then his little story about what happened. It was, yeah, it was pretty interesting at the time. Yeah. It's, um, but he's definitely refined himself and um, yeah. has made his own own mark.
1: Yeah. He's, for sure. And,
0: and I think it's probably better without the matchstick, so there is no comparison. Well,
1: exactly. I mean, he, he showed his resilience. I mean, that that's good. You know, there's there's been an artist in making hats, but when we're in this, we are in a business and i think he really showed like actually you know he's not just a good hat maker um he's got his business head screwed on he he just got over that hurdle and you know he's he's one of the names out there that most people will know when talking about a a custom hat maker um fantastic hats amazing marketing clearly runs a tight ship on his business, and it's a family business as well, isn't it? It's him, him, and his wife. She takes care of the back end, and he's in the workshop, which I think is really cool. How lovely that would be! Yeah, we, we've <laughs> we've discussed it. Maybe one day if I can if we can get things to a certain point. It'd be it'd be great to just me and the wife run this business. She, she can deal with all the Instagram messages, and I don't have to. <laughs> That'd yeah, be awesome. Uh, I can just I can just be in the workshop. <laughs> burning my fingers and yeah it'd be great is there anyone else on that list but Yeah, there's a couple more so michelle at herbert johnson um she's she's a great hat maker and like i said i i've approached her before for advice and tips and she's she's always always giving me advice whenever i needed it and they, they've just completed um the hats for well they completed them a while ago, but the film's out now. The new Indiana Jones film, so they made all the uh, all the hats for the new one. Cause Herbert Johnson, I think, made the first movie or maybe the first two movies back in the day, and then they've been they were approached again to make the the hats for the new the new film, which is pretty cool. Um, the guy in is it are they in Indonesia Malaysia? Hit hat can't remember exactly where they are. Yeah, he's over in Bali. Uh, yeah, in Bali. Yeah, I follow those always. Always love seeing their hats and just those guys in general. Just play music and it's cool. Those guys are cool. I love watching those guys. And I've got got to mention last guy on my list. So we've got we've got a new a newcomer uh, to the hat making world, and he basically lives in the next next town down from me in Leeds. So it's Dean Newman. So Newman Hats. He's he's just started his sort of hat making journey a year or so ago um i can see he's got his his website up now spoken to him quite a few times i think we're we're gonna go for a beer sometime soon i think and talk about hats did you uh help him out at all along the way uh i think so i think he's asked me a few questions uh there was probably a few questions where he's asked and i said i can't tell you that (laughs) i could i could tell you but i'd have to kill you um but, yeah, I think I've, I've pointed him in the direction for, for felts and a few bits and bobs as far as I can remember. But, yeah, we've had a few few conversations. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear my baby crying in the background. Uh, just about, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and what about do you have someone that you would like to make a hat for either in the past or the present?
1: I mean, it it come to no surprise to on that I'm, I'm a bit of a Johnny Depp fan, which is why I've made so many replicas of his hats. It'd be cool to put a hat on that head. That'd be nice. He's, you know, he's, he's well known for having a lot of hats and it'd be really cool to, to make one for the guy. Absolutely.
0: Have you seen Roberto in Italy, just made him one? Oh, I was jealous.
1: Have I seen what? Sorry.
0: There's a hat maker in Italy named Roberto. Yeah. Let me I've just got to check his last name. I think it's Lucci. Yeah, Roberto Lucci. Yeah. And uh,
1: he he just made Johnny Depp a hat. Has he? Uh, I suppose he won't be in the market for a new one anytime soon then. Never mind. (laughs) Well, he always (laughs)
0: needs new hats. But I think you had a you had a photo of um one of your uh, jack sparrow hats yeah on on a customer and he was standing next to johnny depp yeah and the hat that johnny depp was wearing is one of roberto's right
1: okay i see yeah and now yeah i've had a few a few of my customers that, that dress as captain jack that have got vip to go go see him and they go dressed as as captain jack and then i think a few of them have even asked me if I can make the hat that Johnny's wearing in that picture. <laughs> <laughs> but I I didn't know if it was a um, a vintage hat or if it was a new one that's been made. So I'm gonna have to tell them no. If it was vintage, fair game. If it, if someone's just designed that and made that, at least I know where to send them for for making uh, for get for getting the actual hat made.
0: Roberto Lucci, he's a, he's a cool dude. He's yeah. a young fella but he's uh, really giving it a good go and he's, I think he's like up there. He's always doing something uh, spectacular in Italy. Yeah. He's mostly mostly Italian on his site so he's just kind of, you know, sticking to his little market. Yeah. But, yeah, he's a really cool dude. I'll have to um, check him out. But, yeah, I'm to- I'm totally jealous. I'd love to get a hat on Johnny. Yeah, it'd be great, wouldn't it? In the beginning, I wanted a hat on everyone. Now I kind of don't care so much. But then every every now and then you see someone wearing a cool hat from someone else and you're like, ooh,
1: that would be nice. It would. It's not not even for the exposure of it, It just kind of that um, acceptance and just having a hat on that person's head would be the seal of approval, like... I make cool hats because this guy I think is cool is wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Have you um
0: made some hats for people that you look up to or that you've kind of wanted to put on?
1: I, I've made some hats for some, i say, semi-famous people. Um, so I made a couple of hats for the singer uh, from a band called the Fratellis. So I don't know if if they're anything outside the UK, but they're they're a Scottish Scottish sort of indie rock band that have been going for a long time. A few years ago, I made a couple couple of different fedoras for their singer. I made a hat for like this. He's like a crooner type singer. He's really famous over here. He's called Al- Alfie Bow. Alfie Bow. Alfie Bow. So he does like musicals at the West End. I think he. Does there's all sorts of like big sort of jazz band sort of singing, musical kind of singing. I made made him about three hats. Um and there's a guy called Ben Fogle, who's like an explorer kind of guy, who's on TV here in, in the UK quite a lot. He does expeditions to places, but he also does a, a TV show that's basically on the BBC in the mornings about uh, a safari park where they they just go and talk about all the animals in this safari park that we've got here in the UK. I've never seen him wearing the hat on TV though which is a bit bit of a shame. But he he got like kind of an Indiana Jones vibe hat, same sort of sable color, center crease bash. He just said he wanted like an Indiana Jones explorer hat. I hadn't actually figured out that it was him when he ordered it. So I'd seen the name and it was Ben Fogel and I hadn't put two and two together because he's kind of a household name over here. But it's only when I, I sent him a message, I think when the hat was just about ready, saying, oh, your hat's just about finished. Here's some pictures. And the reply was from him, oh, I'm just in the Antarctic at the moment. I'll message you when I'm home. I was like, Antarctic? And I was like, oh my God, I think this is Ben Fogle from TV. <laughs> Lo and behold, I went checked his Instagram and he was in the Antarctic. I was like, oh my God. It's him. That's incredible.
0: And he's got service down there or
1: yeah, well, phone coverage. That's incredible. I I don't know. I don't know how he did it. <laughs> oh. Oh.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's nice to – um. I like the whole, like, music scene. I like um the Explorer outdoor adventure scene. Yeah. Like, when you kind of think about where hats can be and where they go, like, they're
1: kind of, like, top on the list. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, musicians, especially rock musicians, wearing a hat. Loads of guitarists want a cool hat that's like their signature hat, like you know, like Slash, like Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan. They've all got this cool signature hat that gives them this silhouette. And then adventurers. I mean, it's it's a practical thing having having a good hat if you're outdoors. Keeps the sun off. Keeps the rain off cool thing to have and and indiana Jones looks cool so gonna have a gonna have a cool adventurer hat <laughs> <laughs> and
0: um so what do you love most about hat making
1: i love everything about it actually um but it the the f- just the final finish when it's done um i absolutely love it when you've had this idea in your head, if you're coming up with something new and it, you know, it's a process making a hat. It it takes time. You have to do a bit and you have to sit it down, let it dry, leave it that anticipation of getting that vision into a physical hat. When you finally get it. I love that moment when you just look at what you've made and think, you know, I actually made this. And I think uh, a lot of people forget that you should, you know, really congratulate yourself on, on achievements. Um, so I try to try to take a look at my work when I finished it and just think, you know, I, I made this, I taught myself how to make this. So I just love that moment when you've got that finished product in hand that you can appreciate and, and then put it in a box and send it off to someone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: And get that cash sooner now that you've got your own website instead of waiting for Etsy to uh, deposit into your bank account. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, there's something special about making something from nothing and bringing something to life. Especially when you've had to learn yourself how to do it. I think yeah, like it's a real, there's a real journey. I think like, especially for the guys like you who have been doing it for so long before there was too much information and there's still not a lot of information. Um, a lot more reels now than back then, but, uh, definitely, you know, like to really, to really um, discover that and work it out for yourself and do the hard yards and then
1: to be where you are now, it's pretty impressive. It's just always a sense of accomplishment and achievement. Um, being able to make something, because I, f- I feel kind of similar about hat making to to making music. For me, there's this real sort of relationship between, between the two. And I feel like I approach my hat making in a very similar way I approach to sort of making music. I, I just kind of, it's like just jamming with ideas sometimes. Like occasionally I have an idea of a hat straight away start to finish, I know I know what it's gonna be. But a lot of time I'm just gonna go, I've got this basic basic idea of the shape and I'll just start. And then I might just rummage around in boxes of materials and go, what's gonna look cool? And just playing with ideas. And when you get to that final result, as you've just said, making something from from nothing. Just these these bare bones and creating something unique that, you know, you can you can be proud of and hopefully other people Want to wear? Absolutely, I love that. Yeah, jamming. With ideas. Yeah, just jamming with ideas. It's, I'd say pretty much most of my designs have been trying something that I didn't know was going to work, or an idea that I didn't have that morning, but by the evening, I'm like, this is now my new thing. I've just discovered this, and, this, and now I'm just going to do this. This is cool. Um, I just love it. It's just you can go anywhere with it. You just explore with it. And there's the the only downside is how much money you have to throw into um materials if you're just going to start experimenting with things, but just that freedom to do whatever pops into your head and just have this really cool unique hat at the end of the day. It's just the best feeling
0: you make it look pretty easy Well, no, we all know um, it's not <laughs> <laughs> do you have something uh that you'd like to share for maybe up and coming hat makers some any tips or advice um some encouragement
1: i would say and because i've had a few people ask me about this if you are pouncing and you're also stiffening don't don't stiffen before pouncing You'll be really, really angry with yourself if you do. (laughs) So that will just open up a whole can of worms in in terms of the the issues we were talking about earlier, getting staining on that. Yeah. Um, I'll echo the wise words of um, Sierra and South, Matt and Sierra and South. Sew your sweatbands properly. (laughs) 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 And if if you don't know what that means... I know loads of us have got videos out there on on doing the sweatbands. Um, it makes a huge difference to the structure of, of the hat, having a properly fitted sweatband. And I know it sounds daft, but blocking the hat a size bigger than your sweatband. Because <laughs> I've been asked about that before as well, uh, where people say, oh, I've, I've bought the block, I'm... 57 centimeters for instance and i've made the hat in 57 and i've put the sweatband in and it's really tight but it's now a 56 (laughs) depending on the thickness of of the leather in the sweatband so yeah make i read this this might have been on the fedora lounge where someone worded it as make the hat fit the sweatband the sweatband fits the head the hat fits the sweatband Uh, that's probably the easiest way to put it but that that can fix a, a lot of headaches Immediately.
0: The Fedora Lounge. Yeah. That's interesting. I haven't
1: uh, heard of that. I've been, no, oh, not for a long time. I thought you were going to say, haven't heard of yeah. it. I was like, what?
0: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That was my go to place for a long time. Yeah. I think um, but I most hat makers would probably, there.
1: most hat makers probably been uh, long time lurkers on those forums. Do you still uh lurk? Yeah. Occasionally, because sometimes I might just be searching for something and something from the Fedora Lounge will probably come up in the first 10 results of a search on anything to do with hat making. It's guaranteed someone's asked that question in the Fedora Lounge. There's very rarely a good answer in there. But some. But sometimes you find things that you weren't even looking for. Um, it's usually just people uh, going on about FEPSA and Winchester and what's best that's probably the biggest topic that i see pop up from um Fedora Lounge the battle continues yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um and any final thoughts that you would like to share with us
1: just find your 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 niche your own idea and just go with it even if you don't think other people are gonna think it's cool, if you think it's cool, do that. Doesn't matter about anything else. Um don't don't be afraid to ask other hat makers questions like myself. Like I said, there are some things I will not tell you. But to do with the things that I do videos on, which is the core of making a hat, I'm I'm happy to talk about any of those processes on how to make a really good hat. But don't be scared to ask any other hat makers. The knowledge is only known by a few people, it needs to be kept alive. Um, we need to keep encouraging new hat makers, encouraging each other to really just keep this craft alive. Yeah, excellent, mate. Yeah, you've you've been
0: very generous with your uh, with your tips and your thoughts, and um, mate, I'm so happy to have had this conversation. You no, know, it's with been you...
1: amazing speaking to you.
0: Yeah, I've been looking forward to it all week. Um, where can people find you? I know you've got a brand new website, but you've also got Instagram. If someone's looking at uh, or wants to see
1: your work. Yeah, so my brand new website is paulventuresbespokehatters.com and my Instagram, I've got it written down here. <laughs> it's, on, it's on my list in case I forgot because I knew you got to ask that as well. So uh, my handle on Instagram is hatter
0: outstanding yes mate so <clears throat> all of you out there go over and check paul out and give him a follow on instagram don't ask him too many questions do a little bit of research first
1: <laughs> oh one, one bit of, i do have a bit of advice um because this really helped me watching videos on other hat makers is one thing but having a little bit of literature to kind of go with that is important so i i bought the scientific hat renovating and finishing book it is really really a useful book to have if you read that book and then watch videos on some of the custom hat makers it it can really sort of tie things together giving you that worded description of actually what's going on in those videos so any new hat makers out there you can pick it up on amazon i think like 15 pounds in british pounds so maybe about twenty dollars ish something like that it's really worth a read definitely worth it great tip
0: yeah well thank you very much paul thank you it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you properly and yeah love
1: having a chat with you mate brilliant it's been awesome mate thank you so much look forward to catching up again soon take it easy
0: all right thank you for listening to this episode with paul Ventress. If you want to check out Paul's work, head on over to his new website, BespokeHatters.com. and follow him on Instagram at paul.ventris underscore hatter. If you like this episode and want to hear more, follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to keep up to date with the upcoming shows and feel free to give us a five-star rating and share this episode on your social media. You can also find us at Instagram at the Hatmakers Podcast. I've got some future episodes lined up with Brayden from Patterson Hat Co. And also with Jay from Coup de If you're in need of some hat blocks or hat making tools, check out our sponsor, Hat Blocks Australia at hatblocksaustralia.com.au or over on Instagram at hatblocksaustralia. You can also catch our interview with Daryl from Hat Blocks Australia on episode number five of the Hat Makers podcast. My name is Jack Savage, and you can check out my hats at Creatures of the Wild Unknown. Thanks for tuning into this one, and look forward to catching you on the next show. So until then, keep on hatting.